Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This week was a big, fun week, I think. I saw some real bad bitch energy, and I'm feeling like a bad bitch right now. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Continuing Book Watch 2023. So far, we haven't seen it yet, but we're waiting. Episode two <laughs> yes. of what will perhaps be three or perhaps be 12 or 13. We don't know how many episodes ultimately will, will be this season, but tonight was a very important episode. A lot of things happened. We continue to see play from Christina Mindro that is otherworldly, that is unlike anything I have ever seen from any player in the history of this game in terms of its utter dominance. I feel like she's Dale Moss 2.0. Like Dale Moss, but for the target demo. She also is a package deal. She also has, you know, famous family. It, she has a lot of things that I have never seen in one player, and she is mm -hmm. extremely adept at the game. We're going to get to all of that. Believe me. And a lot of other crazy shit that happened in this episode. The Taj Wan stuff, have a lot to say about that. Can't wait to get to that. But before we get to any of that... Taj can't pee, Taj can't poo, Taj can't crash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, God, the fucking producers. All right. We're going to get to all of that, rest assured. But before we do... Taj can't resurrect. We do have a bit of business. She did resurrect. She was, she was technically in-game. She was not technically a player. She needed... Shawcross to allow that to happen, but she was at a fucking after party. I don't know. Did we, do we allow, if they don't get a rose? I mean, I think we put Heather Martin in Matt James's season because she had a pizza box, but she yeah. was in multiple episodes because they had to quarantine and all that. Anyway, we're going to get to that rest <laughs> assured. But first we have some bits of business, all very important, but the most important bit of business is we must inform you about a new podcast that has come out in the nation. It is called Off Contract with Courtney Robertson. We are producing it with her. And the first episode dropped today. Surprise! <laughs> yes, it is a, a, a Monday surprise for everyone. Big announcement. But uh, it is her first episode is a conversation with all-star fence player Ashley Ayakinetti. A lot of interesting tea is spilled in this. A lot of very funny stuff. A lot of very surprising stuff. So we hope you will check that out. Um, we are going to be airing the first 10 episodes of her podcast in our feed. We're going to put them out on Wednesdays, but you can check out her feed to get them straight from the source and leave reviews and five-star ratings and all of that stuff. And to get any episodes after the first 10. Yes, but it has been a true pleasure to work with Courtney on this. She's obviously one of the greatest players who's ever played the game. Uh, and it's fascinating to see what she is doing now in this next part of her career with this podcast. I can't wait to see where it goes. Listening to this first episode, I I felt like Opto 2023 disassociating because I was like, wait, <laughs> it's the greatest 
one of the greatest players in the game asking questions of one of the other greatest players in the game, some of which we've discussed. And it's just so many dream come trues upon dream come trues. And Courtney is such a talented interviewer, just like naturally. And yeah, you all should check it out. Yeah, she has a a very uncanny knack to just ask the hard-hitting questions out of nowhere, seemingly. Like, do you think Kelsey Poe killed her husband? If you want to see what Ashley Iaconetti's answer to that question is, you have to listen to this episode. That is the best advertisement for it. She asked her. (laughs) It's absolutely hilarious, but please check that out. Again, we're very proud of this. And you will not believe what Ashley Iaconetti responds. (laughs) We can't thank Courtney enough for uh, letting us work with her on this. It has been a true pleasure. So that is bit of business number one. Bit of business number two is book watch. Like we were saying up top, we are waiting to see if our book is going to appear in the game because we know from reporting by Reality Steve that some players or a player, someone has read the book while they were shooting and producers found out about this. So we're waiting to see if it's going to pop up in the uh, the document itself. But if it doesn't, we can assure you this. It will be popping up in one place that you can see it. And that's Barnes and Noble at the Grove on March first. You see, you got me going. I was like, wait, where? <laughs> you see, we were banned from the Grove about a year ago when the book mm. came out, and that ban is up. You can look up that episode where we talked about it. Uh, it was very distressing to some of us. Some of us produced tears. I found it kind of funny. Not clues. But uh, we will be at the Barnes & Noble at the Grove here in Los Angeles, March 1st. Time, I don't know. That will be coming. Time. Check our our social media. Where's my phone? (laughs) Well, maybe we'll have this information. Maybe we won't. But we'll be there on that evening, I believe. (laughs) No, it's not the evening. Okay, fuck that up. What time will it be then? Okay. March 1st. 2023, it's part of Opto 2023, at 1 p.m., the Barnes & Noble at the Grove. Okay. And this is to celebrate our one-year anniversary of this ban that changed a lot of our lives forever, including Sweet Nums and Jet and Jack. And including every player who um, is playing the game currently, because now the book's been out for a year. All the players in Zack Shellcross this season have had the ability to access it if they wanted to, if they knew it existed, and some were accessing it while shooting the show. So There is such strong play that we saw in tonight's episode. I believe the reading of the book has begun. Well, what we're going to start doing is when we are recognizing some play that happens in our beloved game, that seems like, ah, where'd they get that idea? We're going to read you passages from the book that might have influenced some of these plays. Again, we don't know who was reading the book, but it's, uh, it's looking kind of apparent that maybe there's some telltale signs. So let's get into this. Thank you for enduring our business. And now let's do what we came here to do, Pace Case. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Here we go. Episode 2, intro tonight on The Bachelor with that big, beautiful, chunky new logo. This is weight. This is gravitas. I love this new logo that represents our weirdo, Zach Shellcross. Yeah, this fucking weirdo. Tonight, 
A bad bitch will grab the attention of everyone in the room. We see helicopters. He's on cloud nine. Mandrell has big news, kisses, tears, sighs. Someone crashes a party and is going to try to move in. And we begin portion one. Daytime. Sunrise over the mansion. We see a humming bird. It's flapping its wings faster than any avian creature on this planet that we know of. Could be aliens. But it is... (laughs) hovering over the fountain outside Villa de la Vina, drinking the magic waters, drinking in the darkness, so that one day it may become a dark lord in the hummingbird world. And this hummingbird was my... (laughs) Creature of the Week! This hummer that represents... (laughs) New beginnings because its association with springtime was my <laughs> creature of the week. You're calling it a hummer? You never called a hummingbird a hummer? Never have. Mm, you're not in the community, I guess. <laughs> no, I am not. The avian. The avian community <laughs> on Reddit, you're deep in the avian forums. We have no gatekeepers in the avian community. All are welcome. (laughs) Fantastic. I'll I'll take a dip. The gate's open to the mansion. The women run in. We get their reaction to being in the mansion. This is an I love Cleveland. I like the sprinting up the driveway shot. I don't feel like we've gotten this very many times. I agree. It is a rare shot. It feels like. Could be wrong in that. But we see them all cheersing each other with mimosas by the pool. We see Mercedes ITMing that he's a boy. Then she quickly corrects herself. No, no, no. He's a man. And all the women are then discussing how he's a... Wait, 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 wait. You're skipping over something very important. Oh, sorry. All the players run in the mansion and then they jump on the couch. Katie says, I've never lived in a mansion. All the players get in the tub. They see the pool. They get in there. And they... I love Cleveland... Something that uh, is a staple of our beloved game and something that uh, I read about on page 118 of a little book called How to Win the Bachelor. <laughs> okay. Now I see where you're going. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> now I got it. And I would just like to uh, to kind of promote this one experimental strategy for a free spirit that we have not seen yet. Hmm. It is if you are a free spirit... You go to the go to the balcony when the producers make everyone yell, I love insert city or insert bachelor's name off a balcony, perform a voluntary nudity play by flashing the entire city. We haven't seen it done yet. I want to see it. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see that as well. But instead, what we don't get is a player flashing anyone, but we get Zach Shawcross virtually naked. In a shower, scrubbing his chest, scrubbing himself. And this comes right right on the heels of <clears throat> Mercedes ITMing that he's a boy, then correcting herself, no, he's a man. And then we see some other players discussing how he's a man and not a boy. And I guess visually they're, they're showing us, look, he's got hair on his chest. This is a man. But why would they leave this in here? I found myself questioning that in the edit. It's another fool edit to even have any player insinuate that he's a boy. I don't get it. They can't help themselves. They really can't. And we're going to get to a lot of other things that they couldn't help themselves from doing in tonight's episode. I will say this. I love this episode. Don't get me wrong, especially because of Mandrell. 
but the producers cannot get out of their own fucking way. I thought on night one, we had something here. I thought they fucking understood it. They don't. It's the same fucking producers. And we're going to see them inserting themselves into the document tonight a few times in an effort to make themselves more human. To make themselves appear to genuinely be concerned about the players. It fails. It fails. We got two shots of producers tonight talking to players, trying to soothe their anxieties or whatever. It fails. And that's what that's the road they're taking now. It's not to make the game better. It's to make themselves look less villainous. Anyway, we'll get to it. Look, I disagree. I still am super opto 2023, super excited by this episode as well. But I did not like something that occurs here, which is that we get Dark Lord Palmer and they put age 44 below his name. Have they ever put a host's name? I didn't even see that. I mean, a host's age? I don't think so. I I didn't even I see it happen. I literally went to Conspiracy Town did Dark Lord Harrison pay someone off to add this to DLP's Chiron? <laughs> That's so weird. Why would they have done that? I don't know. To like be like, oh, there's no way they would be attracted to him. The generation is so different. Or are they trying to insinuate that he's also a man because he's 44? He's over the man age. I don't know. It's very weird. I didn't realize that that was the case. Huh. I'll have to think about that one. But... Nonetheless, this 44-year-old man shows up in the mansion in the inauguration room, and he does this thing that uh, always happens. The players cheer when he comes in, and then he does basically a post-game commentary on what we saw on night one. He asks all the players about their performances. Uh, Jess says she didn't think she would kiss him, but she did. Mandrell says she got to vibe with him. Greer, you got the fimp. How does it feel? She says it makes it feel like what she was feeling got validated. Textbook answer here. You might even say she's read a book called How to Win the Bachelor. Then we see Brianna. Although America gave me that rose, I haven't got any validation yet. She needs to keep exploring. DLP says Zach told him his wife is in the room, but he's going to do things differently. This week, everyone gets to go on a date. There's going to be two group dates and a one-on-one, and uh, Kat is out of the gate, face playing like a fucking master. It's unreal. I was like, oh, that's definitely the face play of the game. And it ain't because she tops it almost immediately. He drops the first date card. Brooklyn ITMs that she feels a spark and a connection. Needs to get time with him. Then we start reading this date card that says, I'm looking for big, big love. It's the first group date. Brianna, Brooklyn, Catherine, Mercedes, Bailey, Davia, Cat. And when Cat's name is called, her reaction to finding out she's going to be on the first group date of the season was my... Face play of the game. It was beyond transcendent. Her eyes first look up, then down. Giant smile on her face. She looks almost demonic, almost angelic. You don't even fucking know what is happening here with her goddamn face, except that it is a delight to behold. Face play in response to the group date card that says, I'm looking for big, big love, has big, big aperture. Her <laughs> eyes open beyond full aperture. We are straight up seeing eyeballs popping out of a human skull, and her mouth goes beyond her mouth, too. She is cross eyed, and I feel possessed, <laughs> and it is beautiful, and that's why Cat gets my. Face play of the game. 
She's a, a powerhouse. I'm out of breath. No, as as you should be. Uh, that is what is warranted. <laughs> it was so good. I know. She was fantastic. I, I felt very bad to see her go, as we know she did at the end of this episode. Another mistake by producers. Huge. We see then all the players uh, run out into a party bus, and we get our first group date here. It is an artistic endeavor, a pageant kind of uh, obstacle course. What would you call this? A pageant, I think, is roughly what I would call it. It's very much like when they do the yeah. grown-ass man and, and that kind of stuff. You have to do multiple little things on a runway. So here they arrive in downtown LA. They run into this building and they meet Lotto, who is a musical artist who has 9.8 million Instagram followers and has a song called Big Energy. She tells them she's taking over the date and she's looking for bad bitch energy. Then Zach walks in <laughs> as if on cue. I'm looking for bad bitch energy. These doors open. Zach comes in in a black leather jacket, trying his best, mm-hmm. really trying his best here. That they forced him into. You yeah. Know? He's he's just trying to look hard as hell. This man is a dork. This man is a, f- a fucking weirdo. <laughs> he's weird as hell. <laughs> That's true. We're finally getting the weirdo. It's coming out now. And we get Lotto says it's confidence in her ITM but she wants to see how they dance at first. So we're getting this weird group circle dance. We see like Kylie dancing and then Balin freak dances on Zach. And then Kat does the splits. Are you kidding me? Just drops into the splits. Bringing it 100% right off the bat. I loved it. I can't believe they... I can't believe it either. She was so fucking entertaining. Dumb. Keep her around for at least another week or two. Get rid of her by the on the first real rose sermon. In my opinion, no, it was. It was bad producing. Ugh, yeah, you hate to see it. Uh, Lotto is announcing that more women are going to be coming on today's date. Who are they? We don't see until portion number two. Cat recognizes them instantly, and it's Victoria Fuller. Taj Juan Hawkins and the host of Off Contract with Courtney Robertson. Courtney Robertson. They emerge from two pink doors and we see flashbacks of all three bad bitches. These flashbacks had me fucking <laughs> yearning for the old days. You see fucking Fuller just going head to head, taking no fucking prisoners against in a conversation with Elia Benavides from season 24. It should have been excuse you what, in my opinion, but it but it was good. The clip they played was good. You see Tajwan going head to head against a Ferguson twin in a BIP. You're a pigeon, I am a seagull. Yes, the pigeon seagull fuck. <laughs> and then you see Courtney Robertson in her skinny dipping scene from season 16. Groundbreaking. That was groundbreaking when she did that. Yeah, I'm winning. God damn it. It was good to see her play again. That skinny dipping play. I mean, I know Courtney has, you know, various opinions around that play because didn't they release one that was unedited or something? Yes, I think so. Yeah, something messed up happened like that uh, without permission, but it is so iconic, that scene. Yeah. I love seeing it. And yeah, she's. Significant piece of history. But all three of these ex-players are there to judge the BBE competition. Courtney says they're there there to help Zach find his baddies. And Lotto says a bad bitch will grab everyone's attention. Not steal your man. (laughs) Yeah, they're not there. Don't worry. I'm a happily married man, just like Dark Lord Harrison. They always need to make that uh, very clear 
They're like, if other people are coming in, they're not here to try and infringe on the dating. But Lotto says a bad bitch is going to grab everybody's attention no matter what they're doing. And so the players all now have to one by one walk this catwalk and they get to use props and stuff. We see Mercedes is first. She has these silver gloves on and she's got a cane. She's doing this little dance and Davia items how hot Mercedes is. Loved this play by Davia. I agree. Fantastic. Cat is up next. She has on cat ears and does a kind of a little crawling cat maneuver with some splits. Genevieve is next. She has a crown and a ribbon that she wraps around his neck, kind of chokes him. Bailey is wearing a pink wig, pink jacket. Catherine's in a cowboy hat. The choking play brought me right back to that choking Clayton video. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then Tarjuan ITMs that all these players could use some pointers. Kylie has on angel wings and comes out bringing the dancing. And we find out she's an NBA dancer, which we already knew. And then Brianna ITM's not being nervous at all. She comes out in a cowboy hat, shooting money out of a gun and sits him down in a chair and gives him a kind of implied lap dance as well as a kiss on the cheek. That was a third audience play. Oh, for sure. The money gun. Yeah. You, you can't do that without a, uh, a producer. And then the final challenge finds each player having to tell Zach a time when they were in quotes, a bad bitch. And Zach further explains that this means they should recount a time when they stood their ground. And Kylie is up first after an ITM about being nervous. She plays a PTC of having a poor white mama. And she was in a competition when she was told not to wear her natural curls, but she did it anyway and she won. And uh, then Brianna talks about using her savings to start her own beauty company. Bailey, I guess, is talking about leaving Tennessee Genevieve says she was goofy. Brooklyn did something by herself. We don't know what because it's edited out. And then she takes him to do a tequila shot. Catherine says he's worth it. Many of these have nothing to do with being bold. By the way, kiss for Kylie, kiss for Brooklyn. Yeah, we got some kisses here. But the way they've cut this, I have no idea what any of these players are talking about. Fucking terribly edited uh, portion of this group date. It makes no sense. And this is a part of my problem with the producers that I've had for the past couple of years that I currently am having in this episode. They don't give you anything to get to know these players. And the players you do kind of get to know a personality from, like Kat, because she has crazy face play, they just fucking eliminate. I don't know anything about a moment in any of these players' lives when they had to stand, stand their ground. This could have been a great opportunity to get PTCs out to do anything. Instead, they do nothing. I mean, we only get it from Kylie. Yeah, it's incredibly inert. Taj ITMs that Zach is very cute. If he said, come join my season, I'd be like, buckle up. And she's basically loading that she's going to crash. We Ugh. And there was no winner, by the way, right? They were all bad bitches. That's what, yeah. That's right. Lotto cast the final judgment. We didn't get to see the judges again, except for whatever Tajwan is going to do, which we know is like this dumb producer thing. We've seen this. They should have just had those three come and party with them at the after party. Or use them in any way in the fucking edit. Courtney Robertson and Victoria Fuller are not even present in the edit uh, after they walk out. Then we get this casting card. We got some big things in store for the next season of Bachelorette. Nothing... Uh, sinister here at all. Just very straightforward. Portion three begins. It's the after party. And uh, we see the rose on the table. And we get the first one on one time is with Catherine. He asks her how she got to this point. She explains that she dates with purpose. They, she feels like they're on the same page. And he's refreshed by her admitting that she wants something serious. Is that refreshing? Haven't literally all 30 women said this? And then she says she likes the best friend thing, but she wants to make something very clear. He's not just her friend, leans in for a kiss. Great kiss lead in line here. Great play by Catherine. Amazing kiss yeah. lead in line. It's very strong. I was like, oh, Catherine's a contender. I didn't really notice her before this point. 
And she loads love level one. I like him. Brianna brings up wanting validation after getting America's Fimp. And in her one-on-one, she says, it's been really hard. I don't feel like I have a support system. I was rattled the day you spoke. And Zach's like, wait, night one. And she is like, it's hard to feel like I could become something. And she produces tears and says, I was like, maybe I should go home. I don't think you would have cared for me to stay. I thought this was an interesting make me stay. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I I actually thought it was a good play. Yeah, I did too. In the beginning, I thought it was a good play. (laughs) It turned out to not be a great play, but... I thought it was very interesting to do it this fast, especially after getting America's Fimp. The producer, I don't know if the producers have told Zach, like, we like her, but it's obvious because they gave her this manufactured rose. So he must feel some obligation to keep her around. And if she's saying this, I felt like I was going to leave. It's like, okay, I need to make sure that this is okay. And eventually, uh, this conversation does end in a kiss. So it seems like she's kind of turned the corner here. She played the tears, said I was thinking about leaving, but everything seems to be okay here. I feel like she's an erratic player. There's some really excellent plays like this, and then we'll get to it. Yes, we will. (laughs) We get to the house. Knock, knock. We have Christina Mandrell loading that we've heard it's going to be an intimate one-on-one, and I have a lot to talk about. She's loading that package deal for us, and she gets the one-on-one date card. Let's let our love soar. Gabby, I'm so happy for you. Uh, we get, we cut back to the group date after party and Kylie is loading love level one Bailey ITMs. It's a really great group. I can't imagine drama. So of course, Taj comes in a veteran attempting a second tour. And she right off the bat gets a steal from Kat who is in her one-on-one time and Kat ITMs confusing confusion at Taj Juan's presence. And she comes back to the other players and tells them that Taj Juan has crashed the after party. And then we get to portion four. It is the other players not happy about Tajwan showing up and Tajwan ITMs that she's there to shake things up. And Zach checks all of her boxes. She wants to join the player pool. And we see this one-on-one time with Tajwan and Zach. She says that she wants to use her BBE to lay it out there. He's a good guy. He has a good head on his shoulders, something she's looking for in a partner. She wants to add herself to the mix. He's like, well, that's something new. No, it's not. This happens almost every season. This is an old trick, and it's done here so fucking poorly. There is nothing believable in Tajwan's performance that she actually gives a fuck about any of this. It's clear the producers have set all of this up, and it's also clear that it's not going to work. She's put no enthusiasm into this. The producers have put no beneficial treatment into it to help her get across here. Mm -hmm. This is completely a waste of fucking everyone's time. No, they could have given her like separate one-on-one time like they did with Blake Moynes and Katie Thurston, you know, and let them have like a one-on-one conversation and get to know each other. (laughs) We see the other women ask, what are your intentions from Taj? She was like, I was here to judge baddest bitch. Some of you guys weren't that good today on the stage. Starts roasting them. This is all scripted. And a, a lot of this is off face, too. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of giving Tajwan a villain edit. And she ITMs the, I was taking more initiative than them. The girl should be nervous, but I'm joining this evening. And she says to them, it could be 20 girls against me. Come at me. I'm fine with it. But it's all like... <laughs> I don't know what the producers did if they offered her another paradise birth, if they 
told her, hey, you never know. Maybe he'll let you in the season. I don't know how they got her to do this, but it just fucking falls completely flat. And you see Tajwan, um, he comes back to talk to the women after uh, he's talked to Tajwan and after all these women have, you know, said that they don't want her to be there, blah, blah, blah. And he tells them essentially, uh, oh, there actually is one interesting thing where Tajwan tells all the other players that they want to come for her. She's fine with that. And she keeps trying to rile them up and saying it's going to get harder from here and all this. And they're not buying it. They're not engaging in the fight with her because I think all these players know this is a fucking producer prop. And they're like, we're not taking the fucking bait. So these old, tired fucking strategies that producers are doing to try and rile up drama don't fucking work anymore, guys. You got to do new shit, guys. This is so fucking boring to me. Anytime you now see a player fired into the middle of the season to try and crash it, it's like that shit was groundbreaking in some earlier seasons. And it actually produced things like the great one, Nick Vial coming out of Caitlin Bristow's season. Like it was possible back then. This is just not going to work, especially somebody who's like Taj Wan that's coming in there immediately insulting all the other players like villain from the get go. It just it was just a fucking misguided thing. And how much time does it take up? So this is now time that he can't talk to these other players in a season that's supposed to be all about finding love and blah, blah, blah. If she's going to join the season, fine. Spend that much time on this. But if she's not going to, what is the point? Nothing. They should have cut it out. Because instead of having this, maybe we could have had a little bit of the day portion of a whole fucking group date that they cut out. We'll get to that, of course. However, Kat is doing a new face once every minute. And what she is doing in this episode is, like, insane. She should have gotten a rose just for this. This was like, to me, I won't say it was quite there, but it was like McKenna Dorn level in a single episode face play. But McKenna Dorn has that one episode with all the tongue play that I, to me, that's just going to be the best face play that's ever existed. Nonetheless, let's move on. Zach comes back to the ladies. He says she wanted to join. I couldn't say yes because of all my actual feelings with all of you. And I want to let you know, she's no longer here. I saw her pizza box spinning on her head tapes and they were not good. (laughs) She did not have big pizza box energy. So even Zach can't be tricked here. And he walks over, picks up the group date rose, gives it to Catherine uh, for the more than friends kiss. So that turns out to be a great play. And Brianna, then ITM's being panicked. It felt like slap in the face that she didn't get the rose and she's nervous about their connection. We begin portion five. Wait, you're going to skip something important. Oh, sorry. What do you got? Taj produces tears, says everyone else finds their person. I never do. I'm not going to cry. Bad bitches don't cry. You're right. This was very important. Because she whispers to a producer that bad bitches don't cry. And the producer says, sometimes bad bitches cry. They put it on the fucking screen. They show you a subtitle of the producer talking. It says producer colon. Sometimes bad bitches cry. And this producer was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. Now, we have we'll see another producer come in later in the show. But this is a producer saying, "It's okay to cry. Don't worry about it." And it's kind of funny, bad bitches cry sometimes, whatever. But this is a producer being cut into the fucking show directly to try and sue the player who's not even a player who didn't make it into the player pool in a completely fucking frivolous and useless narrative that they've drummed up about Tajwan trying to get into the show. Why did they put this in here? One reason. 
We're not as bad as you think we are. Look, we're trying to help her in her time of need. They are cutting themselves into the season to try to look like nice guys, even though they're the very ones that manufactured the entire fucking situation you're watching. It's unreal to me. Yeah. They probably already knew that Zach was not interested before sending her in to have that conversation. They already know who Zach's ring winner is. That's how this show works. He's not interested in anyone except for the person that's going to win the show at this point. By the way, I this makes me realize that I skipped over something. Oh, shit. And there's one player or one person that I would like to highlight because they were able to appear in a season that is in a completely different era than their own to host this group date, come out of, you know, retirement and back on the scene and that's why Courtney Robertson was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week. Is that can she be an official bystander? She's a player. I don't care. She's one of the greatest players. Go to portion five. <laughs> portion five begins. <laughs> it's daytime. <laughs> It's daytime. We're at the mansion. It's the pool. The players wonder, you know, who always kissed him. And Catherine admits that she didn't know there was. You always giving your awards to multiple people. Whole, oh, never question that. Oh, I was just curious. That's it's fine. You could give the award however you like. Uh, Catherine admits that she did not know there are other kissing styles outside of kissing with tongue. And Jess says there are times for tongue kissing and times for not tongue kissing. Christina gets ready for her one-on-one as she ITMs not being able to feel her body. She says that she hopes finding out she's a mom won't throw him for a loop. And this is the first one-on-one of the season. Now, I'd like to um, first deliver some statistics to you. This is from a book called How to Win the Bachelor. It is about one-on-one dates. What page? This is page 165. If anybody out there (laughs) fucking following along. So. They may be. I keep it right next to me. Oh, it's like on your bedside? I don't do that. But the inaugural one-on-one is an important date. It's produced three ring winners. Amanda Marsh, season one. Helen Eksterowitz, season two. Becca Kufrin, you may have heard of her, season 22. It has produced one last woman standing in Susie Evans from season 26. But it has produced more bachelorettes than any one-on-one over the course of the season. With seven. Meredith Phillips, season four. Jillian Harris, season 13. These are the seasons that they played not their bachelorette seasons. Uh, Meredith Phillips, season four. Jillian Harris, season 13. Ali Fedotowski, season 14. Ashley Hebert, season 15. Claire Crawley, season 18. Becca Kufrin, season 22. And that Instagram champion, Hannah Brown, season 23. So there you have it. Such an important position. Yep. And who got it? Mandrell. Christina Mandrell. And now I also wrote this down because I am a uh, maniac. I just wanted to go through the last first one-on-ones back down to Goldini, going in reverse order. So Eckerd's was Evans. Matt James's was Bree Springs, who came in third. Peter Weber's was Madison Pruitt, who came in second. Uh, Colton Underwood's was... I mean, this was the Madison Pruitt date. Yeah, it was... uh, Early meeting of the family. Exactly. It was exactly the same thing. Um, So they didn't even go back that far in seasons. That's three seasons ago. Um, Colton Underwood's was Santa Brown, who won the crown... Ari Lyon Dykes was Becca Kufrin, Ring, Crown, and Sand, Tropical Royale, first and only. Uh, Nick Viles was Daniel Maltby. This is where it starts to fall apart a little bit. <laughs> Sixth place. <laughs> Ari Lyon Dykes was Becca Kufrin. That was before the Crystal date? Yeah. 
Okay. I think they were in the same episode, but hers was first. Hers was the one-on-one A. Ben Higgins was Kayla Quinn, third place, supposed to be the Bachelorette, and they took it away from her after Ben Higgins' disastrous uh, admission that he loved two players simultaneously, and then obviously JoJo Fletcher got her victimization and became Bachelorette. We then get Chris Souls in season 19. Megan Bell, I don't even remember her, came in seventh. Juan Pablo Galavis, you might remember Claire Crawley, came in second place that season and ultimately later a crown. And then we go all the way back to Sean Lowe Goldini and his first one-on-one was Sarah Heron, who came in ninth place that season, but is a, an extremely important figure, obviously, in the culture. And Gore Girl. And Gore Girl. So there you go. That's just a little history of the one-on-ones. A lot of that can be found in our book. But uh, we get... Yeah, what's your what's your statistical likelihood of becoming a Gore Girl if you get the first date, though? Uh, depends on how closely entrenched you become in the show how closely the (laughs) how much the producers can sink their claws into you uh zach comes in with big dad energy in khaki shorts yeah i know we say every season just sometimes it feels like they're clowning with the clothes the leather jacket the khaki shorts yep i don't usually write things down but i i wrote also that he shows up with big D energy, but instead of dad, I wrote dork, big dork energy. Gabby here gets an ITM out of nowhere that she can't get discouraged. There's still time, even though she turtled. Then they get in a car, him and Christina Mandrell. He drives, they kiss. We get footage of her live finale shots. They discuss musical tastes. He admits his first uh, concert was Nickelback, which I like. I gotta say, I like Nickelback. I know that ain't popular, but I don't give a shit. Zach or Clues? Never made it as a wise man dreaming, and this is how you remind me of what I really am. Anyway, he drives her to a helicopter. They fly around, get some kissing. We're seeing all the nice shots. They fly over L.A. They fly by the Hollywood sign. The other players are made to watch the helicopters that flies away. Force peeping Tom here. A bunch of kisses. Love that. By the way, Christina says, this is on my bucket list. I thought this was an excellent play. Anything you do on your dates, you should say it's on your bucket list. I agree. Eating a dinner, drinking wine. putting on clothing. They wind up at a house with a big American flag flying right out front and he tells her that she's going to meet his family. He missed his mom's birthday so this is a family barbecue to make up for it and his dad has a bunch of firefighter friends who are over. There's a bunch of cousins. It's this huge backyard party with I don't know how many people were there. It looks like 50 people. I wrote now they are at a house with an American flag. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. For real though. For real. Uh, I mean... I'm not saying that this is definitive, conclusive proof of anything, but, you know, we have some theories about why the fantasy suite with Rachel Recchia might have taken a turn for the worse, and this is certainly not combating those theories, I'll say. Zach says this is to celebrate his mom's birthday earlier this week. This, I mean, I'm just having flashbacks of Sweet Nums and... Uh, 747 Flyer. 747 Flyer renewing their vows. I agree. Uh, we get, there's blue flower shirt, dad, Megan, mom, and white flowers, firefighter buddies. And Zach says, it's our first date. And Mandrell cheers us to first dates. And then she like recognizes someone, maybe the sister. She's like, this is the firecracker already. She's batting a thousand or whatever is, a good one number. She's a fish to water here. She's playing ping pong with the mom. 
She's asking the cousins, tell me all the dirt on him. She's got them wrapped yeah. around her fucking little finger. He's a good looking guy, but I didn't expect him to be goofy in the best way. And then ultimately Zach's mom gets out this baby book of photos and starts showing us all these pictures. Oh, isn't he a cute baby? And they do this weird thing with the audio. As his mom is talking, they kind of taper it off into silence and a weird like echoey reverb. And they show Christina Mandrell like looking into the distance as though she's going into a trance. Babies are her bumper cars. Yeah, that's literally what I was. <laughs> are they Pucciniing her? That's what I fucking wondered. So then. <laughs> <laughs> she's dissociating as she sees this baby photo. Give her a Puccini and then cut to the ITM. Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I- nce.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses game of roses is sponsored by better help clues uh we all carry around different stressors big and small and if you keep them all bottled up it can affect you negatively Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is, is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. 
Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. And so they talk about how things are going to be... She gets this idea more. She's talking about how things are going to be great, but the baby album reminds her that she has a baby of her own to reveal. Zach brings out this birthday cake as Christina ITM's liking Zach and his family. She's got fear, though, that her package deal might be too much. And um, I just wrote down, the producers have already told him he has to keep you until Fantasy Suites. There is no Jeopardy here. We have also seen multiple promos that feature Christina Mandrill, so we know she's not leaving in this episode. I did not. I was tricked. I got really scared. What? For a second. And I was like, they wouldn't do that to us. Not only that, but like there, there's this this thing. They they took away Kat. They're taking away the people I love. But there's a thing this season. They have really pumped up the season that it's about a guy who's, you know, seriously looking for love. And that's all they want to do is help this guy find his soulmate. Would they have put somebody on the show with a kid if that was like a deal breaker for him? Yeah. I mean, they put a bunch of people who weren't Christian on Tasha's season. Right. But I mean, even if it, I don't mean if it is a deal breaker for him. I mean, if it is a a believable deal breaker that he would like kick her off on the first date. He knows he's got to keep her around. And I think ultimately she's going to get... He would come off for TWR. Yeah. I think, you know, we've predicted that she would go out in third place. I think she's now going to go out in fourth based on this package deal play that Zach was doing here. I think he's going to have the hometown. He's going to meet the child. And then he's going to say, you know what? It's gotten really serious and I'm sorry, but like I can't take you to fantasy suites and it has to end here. You think she's going to Stanton? Yeah. By the way, did you see that play? Which play? Mandrell, Stanton. Yes. The parasocial play? Yeah. Yeah. The Parents of Daughters Coalition or whatever that she's forming on TikTok. I mean, you're not going to get to talk about it because you're not going to be here for Twibbon, But I know. I'm taking Twibbon off. My girlfriend and I are going away for her birthday for a couple of days. But I will be back next week, rest assured, and I will still be watching those goddamn parasocial plays. Clues is a romantic. At heart, this is true. Romance is our number one value at Gore. All vampires are romantic at heart, as are all edgelords. Let's move on to portion six. It is night. We are at the Orange County Mining Company. Zach is taking Mandrell to a nice dinner. He cheers us how awesome the day was into getting to know her more. He tells her that he threw her into the lion's den and she blew him away with her play. And she blew me away as well. I mean, she's just a fucking perfect player. She says she had a lot of fun. She is. I know. I was feeling like, uh-oh, how am I even going to give out other awards? We're not. She's going to fucking crush every goddamn game. Because Christina Mandrell says, I do have to tell you some pretty big news. 
nothing I wanted to hide. I wanted you to feel safe talking about it, but if it's too much, I'll genuinely understand. But I do have a daughter. She's five, almost six. She is my world. Blakely May. She's even more Southern than me. I'm a mama. That's who I am. Unconditional love. And I want that for me. She just started kindergarten. I sent her to my first, her first day by myself. I want to do those memories with someone. I actually know what love is now. And this package deal play by Christina Mandrell was my play, 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 play of the game. It was a very high level play. I'm sorry. She got the surprise early meeting of the family, handled it like a pro, then plays her package deal. It's incredible. I agree with you. What would you have done? If instead of the package deal, she would have said, I have something very big to tell you. I've been in the house now for a couple of days and I've been reading a book called How to Win the Bachelor. <laughs> I mean, that would obviously also be my play of the game. <laughs> yeah, me too. If Christina Mandrell hasn't read How to Win the Bachelor, I'll shit my pants. I mean, let we'll get to another play she makes later as my play of the game. And then I'm going to read something directly from our book that, that gives me some indication she might have read it. But... I think I might know what that is. Zach says uh, he can sense her motherly love and he appreciates her sharing. It's a lot to take in, uh, you know, and he is looking for a family to build on, but, and it's incredible that she already has that, but so he doesn't want her to feel stressed about it, but he is scared about it. And she says she doesn't want to raise a daughter by herself. She wants a teammate who can take on parenting for her and her daughter. He says it's something he needs to think about because it scares him. She says you should think about it because she's chasing something real and she doesn't want him to just say, hey, everything's okay. I'm chasing real She's already got the tagline for her fucking season. And her the title of her first single. Um, that is a country song waiting to be fucking written. I'm chasing, chasing real. I didn't find it the first time around. Now I'm chasing real. I want the basketball little Blakely May. <laughs> so they then do this weird thing where they intertwine their arms and take a sip out of their cups and he ITMs that he always wanted kids but this introduces a timeline and that scares him. Sometimes you have to be selfish, he says, which is a false jeopardy here. Of course, he's going to keep her. Back at the mansion, portion seven begins its night. I was tricked. I can't believe you were tricked by it. I cannot believe it. There's literal footage of her crying on the staircase. I was panicking. All right. I didn't think of that. Oh. <laughs> All right. I should have. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Back at the mansion, it is nighttime. The other players are discussing how they think Mandrell's date is going. They think it might be a lot for him to digest the package deal. Back on the 101, he tells her that he's feeling overwhelmed and he would do her a disservice by saying they could just move forward. He feels like there's something there, but he has to be honest with her. He's had too many thoughts run through his head about his readiness to be a dad right now. He doesn't know if he's going to be a good dad. He says uh, she more than deserves to know how he's feeling. Then the ITM is being caught off guard and they just keep pounding you with like, he's not going to pick her. He's not going to pick her. Then he picks up the rose and gives it to her because he thinks the world of her, she's worth it. And she is showing him signs of someone he wants to spend a long time with and he wants to know more about her and her daughter. And so he gives her this rose. She accepts it, thanks him. She's happy. She's a mom. She understands that it's a lot to consider. And this rose means so much to her. We get a kiss. And uh, that is essentially it for this one-on-one date, which was played, in my opinion, perfectly. She revealed the um, package deal during this kiss, she's getting these big hero music score and Mandrell ultimately ITMs that they had a bigger conversation than just the Rose and it was meaningful her, meaningful to her um, and it means more than just being there to her. I, I mean, 
You can't do it better than this. If you're a package deal player. No. You reveal it. She's the Emily Maynard of 2023. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also like with a, she's got a fucking something in there. She's like Emily Maynard meets Hannah Brown. It's, it's really a fascinating play style that she has. It is so bold and it is so fucking overwhelming. She's winning the family over. Now we're going to see what happens next week. Obviously we have a little more to cover here of this game, but like it looks like some crazy shit's going to happen. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, portion eight. <laughs> I'm, I'm like fucking. You're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, I know. I'm having conversations <laughs> with myself. Though. Calm down, dude. You're going crazy. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, DLP says nominate your senior citizens we're back at the house Jess says oh when you came came back from the first group date you were so excited so everyone's excited for group date number two and Gabby again hits this I need to make an impression today because she has turtled since the limo exit mm, mm, mm. and then they cut Yeah. and what do they cut to the day portion of the group date nah. no no, they cut to the after party. And that was my wowie moment of the week. We were robbed. These moments make me want to burn down my domicile. I hate this. <laughs> I hate when we don't get to see the fucking day portion of a group date. This is like saying, here's the Super Bowl that you have to watch. What we're going to show you, though, is the. Last half of the fourth quarter. You don't get to see anything else. I hate it. This is what I wrote down in my notes. Group date two. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Day portion not shown by the cowardice of the producers. Um, here is who was on that group date. We also don't get to see the group date card, so we don't know who it is, but this is who it is. I have used deduction, of course. Greer, Victoria J, Kimberly, Ariel, Gabriella, Anastasia, Katie, Alyssa, and Jessica, and Charity. But I just don't understand, like, again, we have this whole fucking thing about Taj Wan trying to come into the show. She ultimately does not come into the show. So why include any of it at all? It's false drama. No one gives a fuck about it. And instead of showing us this, you could have cut together two or three minutes from the group, the day portion of this group date. That might have been enough. If there's even one funny thing in it, one interesting thing, show us that. Instead, they show us nothing. And it leaves me wondering, why wouldn't they? Because something that happened... Well, just pack your bags. Okay, let me, <gasps> let me tell you. Pack your bags. <gasps> pack your bags. We're going to Conspiracy Town. Conspiracy Town. Population me. Something that happened in that group date, I think is contradictory to whatever narrative they are promoting. I think he might have had a good connection with somebody. Somebody might have made a good play. Somebody might have done something very interesting on that group date. That, again, contradicts whatever the fuck they're trying to do with this Brianna um, and Mandrell rivalry that they're trying to promote or something. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it was. Wait, here's what I thought you were going to say. Book watch. Oh. They talk about the book in this one. Oh, that could be. That could be. Maybe it, that's where the book was in the group date. Maybe there's some book tattling. Could have been. I don't know. Everyone has an opinion on the book drama. There is a reason they didn't show us that. I'm convinced of that. And I don't know what it is, but... I mean, they took things from us. They always take things from us every fucking season. We got nothing left to give. I'm a hollow man now filled with the dark energies of the pit. But I'm okay with that. Feels good. I'm endlessly giving. Yeah, I guess I am too. Anyways, 
Ariel gets the first responder at the after party, I guess. I'm mad. And she says that she's upset she didn't get a mini date the first night. Let's write down our biggest fears coming here. Mine is getting my heart broken. Took a long time to recover. She's like, let's ask a question that's going to lead to my PTC. <laughs> I know. I mean, good good on her getting out the PTC. And he says his biggest fear is falling for somebody who's not looking for a best friend, the ultimate betrayal. She says she also has another fear. Passes him the paper. He reads it. It's not being kissed tonight. And he's like, I think we can get rid of that fear. Kiss. Decent. Kiss lead in line here. Decent play. Yeah. Yeah. She comes back to the group, gets glowed by another player. She feels good. And then we get some one-on-one time with a series of people, uh, Greer, Katie, so on and so forth. Everybody's getting kisses. We don't really see anything in their one-on-one time. We have no idea what they're talking about. So not only do we get no group day, day portion, we now don't even get to see what most of these players are talking to them about in the night portion. Just a bunch of kissing. And then we come to Jess. She says she's crushing. This is a love level one. She asks him to know something unique about him that only she would know. And he talks about why he has such a strong relationship with his mom. He was diagnosed with pyloric stenosis when he was born. This is a PTC. He was told he wasn't going to live, but his mom kept fighting and he feels like he's there for a reason. And she thanks him for sharing this and he gets a kiss. This was fucking outstanding. She pulled a new PTC out of him that I had no idea about. It's such a good idea because he's probably got a certain amount of stories about his life that he'd like to convey. It is a great opportunity to just give him a PTC lead in line. Mm -hmm. I agree. (laughs) And like, and something that he hasn't told anyone else. It means it has to be like special between them. It's fantastic. Yeah. I absolutely love this play. Um, We then see the rose on the table Gabby's expressing anxiety as she ITMs that this is make or break for her. She hasn't had a conversation with him yet. She feels uh, left behind the other players. And then we go to portion number nine. Back at the mansion, Brooklyn reveals to another player that she thinks there are some girls who share too much about their dates and conversations, and she doesn't want to hear about any of the other players kissing him or what they're doing on their dates. She's already getting jealous, which is very bad in the first week of play. She ITMs that it's girl power right now, but you can't be happy for a person who's dating the same person you are. Then back at the after party. I love all the sharing. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to do that, I think. But uh, back at the group day after party, Gabby explains the anticipations making her frustrated. And then um, we see some one-on-one time with... Allie. Yeah, Zach and Allie. He tells her that she has a good perspective and it's healthy for everyone's mental state. Kiss. Again, this is like it's nothing. They're talking about nothing. And we keep seeing that Gabby wants to have a uh, conversation with Zach. And she has this ITM where she says she wants to, or she's telling the other players she wants to show him that she's quirky and fun, then wants to go deep and then tie it with a perfect bow. Has she read How to Win the Bachelor? We literally I outline mean, what a, a after party conversation should be like. And she has said it almost verbatim. We outlined something called the one-on-one formula or whatever. And it was literally like this, how you lead in with this early thing and it it can lead to a situation like this where you're overthinking it because you're trying to because time is so precious in this game and you might be overthinking it luckily gabby's already has enough of a connection with zach that this doesn't matter um and she says she has a thing with nicknames tries to call him a bunch of things zacharias zacky is the only one that he approves of because that's like berzaki Oh, 
By the way, I found out what that was about, I think. I think it's like Versace, like Verzaki. I think it was Verzaki. Oh. Yeah. A fashionista. It's a long way to go for a very bad joke, but I think that is what he was trying to do. She misses Vermont and likes going to the farmer's market, learning to cook, love the subtle drop. I want a family, a true partnership. She ITMs that she's word vomiting. And she says to the other women, it was the Gabby show. Why didn't he kiss me? And we get the group date rose circles. Zach says, thanks for opening up. Ariel, really smooth and easy. Runner up. Katie, fun convos and effortless. Another runner up. Jess, big convo opened up. Group date rose. Congrats to Jess on that big zero pointer. Then Zach leaves. Well, I got to get at her. And then Gabby ITM's feeling scared that he didn't even mention her in the lead up. She didn't even get, hey, good conversation. Didn't even get a, a pat on the back here. She walks off into the night. You think he picks who he's allowed to talk about in the group date rose circle? <laughs> No, <laughs> he doesn't pick any of this. They literally yelled at him. They were like, you didn't do it on the first group date on this one. You have to do the circle and say the runners up. Totally. He picks his ring winner. They write the rest of the show. We know this. And then uh, Gabby walks off into the night, shedding tear. And a producer goes to check on her as she cries. And they have a little conversation. She tells the producer that she got no validation from him at all. She shouldn't have to feel like a worthless person. She's hurting. And again, more producers than we've ever fucking seen. Mm -hmm. And they're all STCOing. It's it's grotesque. These are the very people who forced Gabby to be a fucking turtle on night one. They set that up. They are the ones who define who gets to talk to the lead in what order. If you are a turtle, it's because the producers have not allowed you to speak to him. And now they're like, oh, it's going to be okay. You did this to her. Anyway, I could go on, but I won't. Portion 10. Sir, this is... Uh, <laughs> yes, this, this is the is, uh, deepest corner of the fucking pit. Wendy's, sir. Hell no. Portion something. We're at the house. 10. Katie says it's going to be hard to see someone go home. Portion 10. Brianna, ITM's a lot of anxiety. We are getting a lot of Brianna uh, yeah. ITM's in this episode. And we get the cocktail party. Everyone is freaking out. Zach enters. He says he's freaking out again. Uh, but it was a big, fun week. Real bad bitch energy. I'm feeling like a bad bitch right now. This reminded me of when they left in the line in Ben Higgins' season. I ain't that white. Yes. <laughs> That's what this... This felt like to me. <laughs> he feels like a bad He's just giving fodder to Bachelor Clues. I love it. I absolutely loved it. Thank you for that one, Zach. And thank you for the uh, producers for leaving it in. Anyway, he says he appreciates um, Christina meeting his family. And he outs her to the other players here. She didn't tell them that. She kept this a secret. And that is what you're supposed to do. She's doing the right play. He made the wrong play. And that is why he is getting a very rare lead. Error, 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 error of the game. You don't do this, motherfucker. You got a few jobs as a lead. One is to not interfere in what the players are doing with the second audience, unless you're absolutely forced to. 
to just throw this fucking shit out, to not have had the conversation with her? Are you going to tell the other players about this? When you're on a one-on-one date that has a special element, like an early meeting of the family, a pretty woman, anything that other players will be jealous of, you don't fucking bring it up if you're a player, unless you're going to use it to your advantage. If you can, if you have some strategy around it, great. But if you're doing this as a lead, you have to ask that player, are you going to tell the other players? And you have to uphold whatever their decision is. And here he just fucking immediately outs her. And she's like, <laughs> I I didn't tell anyone that. And they kind of get past it. It doesn't seem like people are too pissed, but I don't know. They cut shit. You know, I don't know if they were pissed or not. I would be pissed if I were her. <laughs> exactly. I would too. He fucked If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, 
candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Sure there. But luckily, she doesn't. Nothing phases her. So I know. God, I know. Uh, we see Gabby says it's he, he asked about her comfort level. She says it's getting easier, but she feels like they're behind. But she appreciates he's making time to speak to every girl. I liked this, like pointing out a kind of particular thing about him as a bachelor. I'm excited. It's you. She's doing all the right things for this first basically mini date conversation. And he tells her he gets giddy butterflies with her love level one. And she love level ones him and then crinkles him peanut butter cups, which he already talked about liking. Mm -hmm. Great idea. And perfect play. She says, want a lady and the tramp it. Another amazing play in order to get screen time. Fantastic play. I agree. Lady in the Tramp, all food with the lead. And it leads to a kiss, kind of a grotesque kiss where they're each eating slimy peanut butter cups out of each other's mouths. But nonetheless, that is a kiss. It doesn't matter. It's not for them. It's for us. I agree. <laughs> then we see Brooklyn gets her one-on-one -on -one time. <laughs> she has a little plastic horse thing set up where she's trying to teach him how to lasso. He misses. Then she gives him a kiss for luck. Uh, Brianna is sitting nearby, but she can't watch them. I mean, that we talk about the good luck kiss in the book, too. By the way, it's like, I could be any of these people. <laughs> uh, no, I know. They're all making plays that are in the book. But uh, we then see Brianna ITMing, uh, feeling shaky and explaining that no one could prepare you for this experience. It's tough to see the other players forming connections and she feels she is running in place. She says, it would have been smooth sailing if I would not have gotten America's Fimp. Fascinating. Mm, shitting on the process. Not only shitting on the process, shitting on an experiment that the producers tried that obviously failed. It's a joke. No one thinks that's a real fucking rose that anybody was voting on it. They clearly just gave it to her because they designed a deep run for her. Whether that's going to happen or not now, who knows because of all the weird shit that's going to go on the next few episodes with tattling and the fight that they're going to put her in with Christina Mandrell. But she says here, smooth sailing. If you wouldn't have fucked me with this weird America Fimprose, she's shitting on the experiment itself. The process, yes, generally speaking, but this is a weird piece of the process that has never existed before. And it has fucked her up. It's fucked up her play style. I found that pretty fascinating. I don't know if it's actually true that this interfered with her play, but she 
now is saying that no one can prepare you for the ups and the downs <laughs> of this process. Well, I think psychologically it fucks with her. And, and I understand how that could be because you don't, you know that he didn't give you that rose. Even if you believe in quotes, America gave you the rose, it still isn't Zach. If you are more aware and you know that the producers gave you the rose, that still isn't Zach either. But if you can convince yourself that it was the producers, that should at least give you confidence that they want you there. Right? But I don't know. And you got to wear the rose dress. Yeah. Nonetheless, Brianna then ITMs that Mandrell made a mean comment about her night one. And we see the footage, this conversation they had over by the bar where Mandrell is like, you got the rose and that rose dress. Uh, this is rigged. And she's kind of joking here. This doesn't seem like mm -hmm. a serious conversation. And then she says, I hate you. Just kidding. You look beautiful and I hate you. Yeah. It didn't seem malicious to me. But nonetheless... I did think it was weird that it was in the night one footage. And I kind of thought about that. And yeah. now I see why it was. Because it's going to be this evidence for this tattle. But the... What I don't understand about it, I guess, at this point... And it doesn't even matter what I'm about to say. Was it truly malicious or not? I don't think it was. Nonetheless, you cannot commit mm -hmm. verbiage like that to the document. It will be used against you. Mm. So it was kind of an error on Mandrell's part. Now, how she winds up playing it through the course of the season is going to really determine how detrimental the error was. But, and also how, how will Zach be convinced uh, by the other players if she was truly malicious or not? Is there going to be a whole group of them that comes together to you know basically say she's two different people when the cameras are on and when the cameras are off? I don't know. Mm. But we get this footage and you know everyone who, who saw it can make their own opinions about whether they think Mandrell was being malicious or not. I personally don't. But nonetheless, Brianna ITM's feeling slapped in the face by it. And then Brianna and Mandrell are forced to have a girl chat. This is, in my opinion, Mandrell's first big challenge. And I'm just going gonna to read something from a book very quickly. The book is called mm -hmm. How to Win the Bachelor. This is uh, page 146. This is where we're talking about two-on-one dates and what leads into you, know, you winding up being on a two-on-one date, which is a rivalry, just like the one we're seeing now. And this is what it says. <laughs> Professor Clues. <laughs> if producers escort you into what they call a girl chat, a forced conversation between two or more players, usually about one or more other players, be aware of the fact that they're likely grooming you for a role in a rivalry. It will become increasingly apparent if you're forced into a one-on-one -on -one conversation with another player that is contentious from the beginning. That's exactly what's happening here. And it will be irrefutable when you hear your name read on that two-on-one -on -one date card. In this case, the first and best play is an immediate and sincere apology to whoever the other player in the rivalry might be. Diminish the producer's ability to use perceived hostility against both of you and ultimately turn the two-on-one to a civil affair. So here it's not a two-on-one, but this is exactly what's happening. And so they sit down. Uh, Brianna brings up her struggles. She says that she has had a fear. There were negative feelings. She says there was one... Per oh, sorry. This is where she's talking to Zach. When she's talking to Christina, she, she brings up these comments. You said you hate me. JK, immediately, Mandrell apologizes. Fucking immediately. So sorry to have hurt your feelings. Thank you for sharing. Never want anyone to feel that way. Never my intention at all. Yep. It's exactly correct. And all Brianna can do is say, well, I guess I have to believe there was no malicious intent, but I need to see your actions. So she can drag this out into maybe like a secondary version of it where it's like, okay, you said the right thing, but will you do the right thing? But nonetheless, mm -hmm. there's no grounds now 
for Brianna to further this rivalry. And there's no grounds for producers to be able to stoke the flames. Mandrell handled this perfectly. That is why it was my... Play, 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 play of the game. It was, I mean, it's a perfect play. This is exactly what you should do in all of these situations. And even if you're an amazing player, like Christina Mandrell, you might have this happen to you. So you have to be prepared. It was incredible. I mean, she was getting the lines out before Brianna could even get in another sentence. It was like, I'm sorry about this. That was never my intention. Like, I I will make it better. And she even put it to her. She's like, well, what did I say exactly? She's like, she puts it on her. You have to say the thing. What what Mm -hmm. offended you? And then she says it and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, you might even say that this play was textbook. (laughs) See what I did there? Yeah. Thank you. Well... Uh, so then <laughs> Brianna gets her one-on-one time with Zach and she brings up her struggles and she says basically that uh, she's had fear. There were negative feelings in the house towards her. She said there was one person specifically. Do you want to know who it is? This is a pre-tattle. She's basically asking Zach, should I tattle? Now, if you're going to go into a tattle, in my opinion, you just fucking do it. You can't half-step a tattle. And that's what she's trying to do here. And Zach's like, well, I, uh, if you need to share something, share it, I guess, but I don't like drama at all. Yeah, I don't like drama. If it's already handled, that's great too. Don't need to hear about it. And then Brianna keeps going and says it's little comments like, I hate you, JK. And Zach's like, I, that would be really annoying. And Brianna's like, it made me feel like everyone hated me. But he's like, it's dumb that even happened, but emotions are high. Uh, our combos are very strict. And Brianna's vague nameless mandrel tattle was my error 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 of the game if you're gonna come for mandrel don't miss what is this what is a tattle it's like we've had a general tattle before but having a specific tattle about another player and then not saying their name after you've already squashed the beef Couldn't agree more. That's why this was also my error, 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 error of the game. Just kidding. Mine was Zach's, but um, this was my error of the game for a player. See, here we go again. Oh, there's one for Zach, one for a player. Now you have two errors? Well, this is the true error. Zach can't really get an error because he's not a player. Um, But Not true. He is a player. He's not. He's a lead. We're all players. He's an audience. We're all players. Nah, I, I don't agree. Nonetheless, this was my player error. I agree with you. You can't do this. If you're going to do a title, it has to be a real title. And what she's essentially done here in this conversation is make sure that Zach has no interest in her and make sure that the producers now can only use her in a rivalry with Christina Mandrell. Maybe there'll be other players dragged into that, but that is her only value now in the game to any of these audiences. And so she's essentially hamstrung herself. She will only be in the game as long as Mandrell is, which will probably be a long fucking time. But Mandrell's going to have to beat her in order to do that, which means now you're you're in a real do-or-die situation against arguably the greatest player that we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> when Sheehan came at Hannah Ann. Yes. And, she was, and Hannah Ann was like, 
This is done. <laughs> oh my God. This conversation is over. Moving on. Goodbye. You're speaking to a ring oh, winner. Oh, Hannah Sloss. <laughs> I hope I hope Slunk is doing well tonight, wherever you are. Anyway, she ITMs, Brianna does, uh, being nervous uh, because her relationship isn't off to the best start. Then DLP enters. We get an eight ting, an octo ting. Standard play is over. This man does more fucking tings than, I mean, there's only been a, one other Dark Lord, I was going to say, than any Dark Lord in history. But I got to say. It's because he's having fun. No, he's not. He's fucking around. There's a difference. You can have fun and not fuck around. Show some fucking respect to the ting. Eight fucking tings is too many fucking tings. Three. It was perfected by Dark Lord Harrison. Ting, ting, ting. He's savoring his moment. It's his special time. Okay, I'm going to run a quick experiment with me, with you. You tell me which one of these sounds better. Ready? Ting, ting, ting. Or... Ting, 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 ting. The second one. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Fortune <laughs> 11 begins. It's night. The players are waiting on the risers. We're at the rose ceremony. Now. Thank God we're getting rose ceremony, not some bullshit. That is true. Thank you, producers. At least you gave us that. Kat is nervous because she was in last position last week. Brown ITM struggling in confusion. Zach emerges. Student of this game. Yep. Last flower. Not good. That is true. She's reading and everyone's a reader. Shao Cross gives a standard rose ceremony speech. He's overwhelmed. Every woman showed him a lot about themselves. It only gets harder from here. And then we get into the rose ceremony. Three players have zero point roses. That is Catherine, Christina, and Jess. And we are giving out 14 roses tonight in order. They are Brooklyn, Genevieve, Greer, Ali, Charity, Katie, Gabby, Ariel, Anastasia, Kylie, Davia, Mercedes, Bailey and uh, DLP emerges from the shadows. This is the FRT final rose tonight. Brianna gets it and then DLP emerges for the Tam Sig. So we know Brianna is being set up, obviously, to go into this rivalry. And uh, we'll see more of that in the, the promo to come. But we say goodbye to Kat, Victoria J, and Kimberly are the only three shown. Were there more people that got eliminated than that? I don't know. I don't know either. Did They have cut at Victoria and Kimberly completely out of the show. They Heather Martin them. Correct. They they received nothing except obviously uh Victoria J got a pretty funny tag. Oh, that's true. Kimberly at least gets a goodbye shot. Yeah, that's true. Uh Victoria J got no exit speech. Kat gets a little exit speech, confused about why he doesn't want to explore more with her. Kimberly gets an ex exit speech with tears. But I don't know why the producers would include Victoria Jameson in this season with almost a million TikTok followers and not use her at all. It literally cut her out of the episode. She was on that the group date that they cut the day portion. Um, Kat, I don't understand this at all. She's immediately electric on screen. You want to see much more of her constantly. And they just fucking kick her off the show. I don't get it. And they know this. They have tape of all yeah. of the people doing ITMs. You know who's going to be a better colorful narrator. And if their argument is that she was too goofy, not serious enough in this season that was supposed to be all 4TR, then why the fuck do you do the Taj one thing? They, there's just nothing to back up any of these choices they're making, in my opinion. Nonetheless. Well, here's a choice that I do like. In the promo, we are getting an early overnight camping date. A little homage to the Jason Mesnick camping date. Yeah. and the, But this takes place at the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles, it looks like. Have you ever been there? 
Yeah. Me too. A lot of dead creatures. I know. Plenty of dead creatures. Um, anyway, we see in the next Bachelor episode, we're going to get skydiving, force violence, football date, bikinis, kisses, natural history museum, the overnight date, walk of shame. Um, Christina must be exposed. Tears, group tattle, Mandrell on the stairs. And then we get this tag where Victoria Jameson is asking the group when it's okay to fart in front of the person you're dating. And we get some varied and funny answers. Some players are like, yeah, whatever. You, farting is farting. Some players are like, I would never fart. I'll leave the house and run across the street if I have to fart. That was fucking intense. Yeah, some of these answers, I feel like the patriarchy is maybe a little too ingrained, ladies. <laughs> yeah. How many of these players are going to have colon cancer? Make him leave the house. Good one. Or her. Good one. Or they. Good one. I, you know, we see this every season. They'll they'll cut somebody who seems like an interesting player kind of early on with no provocation, no rhyme or reason. They just stop appearing in the show. I'll never understand really why they do it. Um, again, especially when you have these things where the Taj Juan thing is it's completely pointless. It furthered no plot. It served no dramatic function. It was just a waste of time. I, I really don't get it, but whatever. Um, that said, I don't know. We did have some good stuff to demonize, like to demon have a villain come in from the outside because you don't have a villain. But it didn't work. So when you have that footage, when you're like a one episode villain, but to what end? Like we're gonna fire her in there, and he's not gonna keep her. We have all this footage. Should we go ahead and try to, you know, blaze five to 10 minutes on that? Yeah, might as well. It's like, uh, did they pay her? And they're like, they got to get their fucking money's worth. I don't know. I don't know why they included it. It's so boring and so stupid. And you can see it coming from a mile away. None of it seems remotely real. Anyways, uh, who was your MVP? I think I know. For somehow getting in a shit ton of ITMs in this episode and playing her first time very astutely talking to Zach, Gabby was my MMMMVP. Christine Mandrell, it's like hard to not give it to her again. I agree. I don't, it's hard. But I feel like if you have turtled up to this point, your statistics are very low. So Gabby navigating this was a really excellent, excellent job. I don't disagree. It was fine play. But of course, Christina Mandrell was my M M M M M V P. It's utter dominance. It's utter dominance. We went through those stats of first one-on-one dates of the season. That's not a choice yeah. the bachelor makes. That's a choice the producers make. They know the importance of that date, and they're saying she gets it. They're tapping her to get it. She is the next bachelorette, and she is playing like that. She is putting these other fucking players to shame. Give me the early meeting of the family. I'm going to pretend like, oh, I'm nervous. And then I'm going to go in and charm the fucking pants off of every goddamn person in that fucking backyard under the shadow of the giant American flag flying on the fucking front porch. That's what she does. She's literally textbook 
our textbook. She's incredible to watch. And I cannot wait to see what happens, especially as they're now trying to mount this attack against her, which I think she's going to fucking sidestep. Looks like she's going to do some IFI work. I can't wait to see that. You can't take down Mandrell. Well, we'll see. We'll see if anybody can. But uh, this is a pretty good game. I didn't like the uh, dismissal of the the group or the uh, day portion of the group date. I thought that could have been handled so much better. Didn't like the Taj Wan thing, but nonetheless, Mandrell pulls this out for me. This was still a, a stellar game to watch because of her play, in my opinion. I agree, in my opinion. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this breakdown of the second game of season 27 of The Bachelor. We hope you'll join us, or no, we hope you'll join Pace Case for this week in Bachelor Nation on Friday, and then we're going to have a digging deeper out for you next Monday. And please check out Off Contract with Courtney Robertson. She has her own feed set up. I believe as of the recording of this podcast, it is number 13 on the iTunes TV and movie chart. So congrats to Courtney Robertson. And go check it out if you haven't. I'm going to be doing Twibbon with Catherine Dudas, my co-host for HBO Lax. Oh. On Friday, she just confirmed. The co-writer and director of the feature film Juniper, which I believe you can see on Showtime still right now, right? You can. Well, I hope you guys have fun doing that. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Before we go, as always. Have fun on your romantic trip. Thank you, I will. I'm going to try to call down a few alien craft. Before we go, as always, what is that Dwa bat? It has been 7,617 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 